Hello, family. Welcome to the James Taylor Podcast. I am your host, James Taylor. I want to take a moment and appreciate you for just listening today. If you are new to this podcast, I want to encourage you to subscribe. This is going to be something that I believe would be a blessing or at least an engagement or encouragement in your day, uh, spiritually, mentally, intellectually. For those of you who have been listening, thank you for rocking with me. And I'd love to connect with all of you on uh, social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, James Ray Taylor. Hit me up. I'd love to talk with you. So let's get into it today. It is a brand new year, 2021. Are you excited? I hope you are. I'm excited. I'm glad to to be able to enter into a brand new year. Now, I know many of you are at the place where you're like, I'm so glad to be out of 2020. But one of the worst things we can do to ourselves is to belittle or dismiss our experiences. We can all agree that 2020 was a most unique experience, right? Now, here's the thing, though. Experience is our most potent teacher. So instead of throwing out 2020, uh, instead of you know dumping it in the trash, you know, and I've seen a lot of memes on social media, everybody like, you know, 2020, F 2020 and all that kind of stuff. Listen, 2020 was just as on purpose as 2021. I got that from Pastor Michael Johnson. Shout out to my brother. So I want you to join me in an investigation, in a chronicling and in applying of the lessons that we have learned in 2020. All right. I want to encourage you. Listen, there are valuable lessons that we learned in 2020. And I want you to take a minute to just uh, maybe more than a minute, maybe a day, maybe an afternoon, maybe some some significant amount of time. Just considering thinking back pondering, meditating on everything that has taken place, or at least some of the the most pivotal things that have taken place in your 2020 in order to gain some perspective, in order to gain insight, understanding, uh, chronicle some things. If you're journaling, you need, maybe you should write down some of the things that you learned. Ultimately, you should be able to take these lessons and apply them to your 2021. So that's the whole gist of this podcast today. The whole gist of this episode is uh, me sharing with you lessons that I learned from 2020. All right. I just got 10 lessons that I learned. I'm not going to preach to you, but I just want to share with you these lessons because I do believe that if we utilize the lessons that we've learned, that we can apply them to uh, different or further seasons of our life whereby we can have greater results. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Here are 10 things 2020 taught me. You ready? All right. If you got notes, you can write these down. Otherwise, I'll make sure I share them on my social media handles and you can grab them from there. Uh, You can take note of them, repost them, share them, put them on your stories. I love it. Here's number one. What you sow into a thing is what will return to you, but in greater measure. Again, what you sow into a thing is what will return to you, but in greater measure. We know how seeds work, right? You put the seed in the ground, it germinates, takes root, and it will blossom. You know, whatever you put into it is what's going to come out, but 
when we look at the product of that seed, it's always greater, bigger, larger than the seed that we actually put into the ground. 2020 taught me that whatever I sow into it, whatever I sow into a year, whatever I sow into a relationship, whatever I sow into my business, whatever I sow into my education, whatever I sow into my spirit even, it's going to return to me, but it's always gonna be in a greater measure. Now, here's the thing, that's a neutral principle. So whether it's negative, whether it's positive, whatever it is, it's going to come back, but it's always going to come back greater. And so in 2020, I, I really believe that some of the things that we experienced was just a residual. It was just a response. It was a return of things that we had sown. I paused on purpose because I want you to think about that because we're looking at, oh, man, 2020, it was horrible. But ask ourselves, let's take a minute and really consider what did I sow? whether it was 2019 or 18 or, or any time before that or earlier in 2020 that I that I received later in 2020. Good, bad, and different. Consider that, all right? What you sow into a thing is what will return to you, but it will always come back to you in greater measure. All right, let's go to lesson number two. Here we go. Family must be prioritized over everything once they are properly identified. Again, family must be prioritized over everything once they are properly identified. I love I love this passage in the Gospels where Jesus is in a region and he's teaching. And, and then one of the disciples say, hey, Jesus, your your your, your mom and your your siblings are here. Uh, you know, I guess they were supposing that he was going to stop the meeting and he was just going to go out and and engage with them. And he says, you know, who who's my mother? Who, who are my siblings? Those who do the will of the father and i.e. those who are around me right now. I want to encourage you to make sure. Now, I'm not saying, you know, uh, forget about your mom and your siblings. You know, our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, aunties, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews, all of those people. They are and they should be important to us. They should be prioritized. Our immediate family, our our uh, our extended family, they should be prioritized. But I want you to make sure that you Firmly identify who your family is. Some of them may be blood. Some of them may be spiritual. Some of them may be relational. You have to identify who your family is. When you say family, you got to know what that means because it, it cannot just be assumed that any person or any people group are your quote unquote family. You got to define who family is. All right. By blood, by spirit, by relation, by choice, however you do that, you need to be able to identify who your family is. And once you identify who your family is, they must be prioritized. They have to be. You have to make sure that you prioritize them. You cannot allow things and stuff and time and 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 all resources, and all those kind of things. You cannot allow those things to take precedence or priority over those you identify as family. Family is most important. It is most important. Before God built a church, he built a family. Before he built a people group, he built a family. All right. Before he gave us laws and commandments and all that kind of stuff, he gave us family and so just like god prioritizes family we have to prioritize family all right let's go to it number three your level of submission 
will necessarily set your threshold for success. Your level of submission will necessarily set your threshold for success. Man, I'm, I'm living this right now in my life. Listen to me. I'm not saying that, you know, if you are submissive, that you're automatically going to be successful. But what I am saying is that if you want to be successful in your life, the threshold or, or the, the limit of how high you will be able to go or how far you will be able to go in life will be set by your ability to or your willingness to submit Submit to authority, submit to discipleship, to submit to mentorship, submit to tutelage, whatever your, uh, your, your realm of discipline is, how you submit in that space will set the threshold of how much you can succeed. Hold that thing, hold that thing dear, because many times we want to be so successful. We want to go so far. We want to have so much, but we're not willing to be submissive. Everybody who's great, submitted to somebody else greater. And those who are greater ultimately submitted to someone who was greater than them. And so there, there's always this process of submission and success, submission and success. We submit, we learn the lessons and we gain success. So I want to encourage you, listen, you, you, you are great, but you are, you, you have the capacity to be greater if you are submissive and I'm not, I'm not talking about being subservient. Notice my word choice. I chose submission on purpose. When we submit to a thing, we acknowledge, we receive, we are resourced by, we follow, we are, we are discipled and disciplined by those sources that we are submitting to. So your level of submission will necessarily be set uh, will set the threshold of your success. Again, your level of submission will necessarily set your threshold for success. Here's the fourth lesson I've learned. Overreacting is dangerous to relationships and damaging to character. Overreacting is dangerous to relationships and damaging to character. I cannot tell you how many relationships I have damaged, I have destroyed, uh, that that I brought danger into the relationship because I overreacted. I'm talking about me. I ain't talking about you. You fine. I'm the problem, right? I have overreacted and it caused danger in relationships. It caused unsafety in relationships. Uh, even if not just a physical uh, uh, unsafety or a physical danger, a relational and emotional, a mental danger. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, greatest books I've, I've read, uh, Crucial Conversations. Is it Crucial Conversations or Critical Conversations? I'll go back and determine which one it is. Anyway. In that book, it talked about safety and communication. And when we overreact, we are taking all of the safety out of communication. I want to encourage you to consider things before you just overreact. And all of us, all of us are, are prone to do so at, at one point in time, or at least we're susceptible to overreacting depending on the stimulus. But we got to make sure that we do not allow that to persist in our relationships, because the only thing that's going to do is cause danger for the relationship. 
But not only uh, is overreacting dangerous to relationships, it's also damaging to character. You are one. I am one. If we continue to overreact, we will ultimately do damage and sometimes irreparable damage to our character. People will know us as those who overreact. People will know us as those who, who, you know, who blow off the handle. People who, who people will be able to characterize us as individuals who are unstable. And so we cannot allow ourselves to overreact. Yes, things are going to happen. Yes, things are going to catch us off guard. We're going to be surprised. We're going to be shocked, flabbergasted, all that good stuff. But we cannot allow ourselves to overreact because it will cause danger in our relationships and it will be damaging to our character. Number five. This is a this is a heavy one. This is a heavy one. We're halfway done right now. That's why I put this one in the center. Death is not a punishment for those who die. It is perspective for those who are still alive. Let's say that again. Death is not a punishment for those who die. It is perspective for those who are still alive. I love I love the word of God. I love the word of God. There is so much you can learn from just studying the scripture. Um the Apostle Paul says in his in in his uh, apostolic writings that uh, God is able to make all things work together for the good, the good, the good. And, you know, some of us are like, well, what good will possibly come from all of the people who died in 2020? What good comes from the people in my life that have died? Some of them suddenly, some of them unexpected, some of them it's untimely, they're too young or, you know, what, whatever the condition may have been uh, as it relates to their death. Uh, you know, many times, you know, we, we automatically are drawn to the negative. And yes, Death is heavy. I, I, I don't want to belittle or berate uh, the passing of anybody. I, I, I've been shook tremendously to my core by the death of many people that I loved in 2020. But what I must admit is that every time I got the word of somebody passing, whether they were personally close to me or whether they were, you know, international icons, Every time somebody died, every time I got the word of somebody's death, it caused me to become introspective and it gave me a, a, a deeper level of perspective. It allowed me to look at things different. It gave me time to come away from the normal ho-hum or just just regular uh, uh, engagement or here's a word machinations in my head are just uttering out my mouth and and cause me to pause and really gain some perspective. Anytime somebody dies, and this is especially true for believers, anytime someone dies, we must take time and, and one, see, consider, think about what their life meant to us, what their life meant to the, the, the broader society, and then ultimately what God wants to teach us from their life or even from their passing. So death is not a punishment for those who die. It's their time. It may not be the time that we want them to go, but uh, for, for one reason or another, we know that God is perfect in all his ways. So 
even even if the way they died was heinous, if murder, whatever the case may be, I need you to really embrace this because some of you, some of you may be like, oh, no, that wasn't God. God didn't do that. God doesn't do that. Let me tell you something. We all are a. We are all a a product. Listen to this. We are a product of the world that we live in. And some of the things that happen are residual of the free will choices of other people. But even in that, God is able to redeem all things and make all things ultimately work for the good. So we got to know that death is not a punishment for those who die, but it is rather perspective for those who are still alive. Ask yourself, what can I learn from this person's life? What can I learn from this person's death? How can I gain a greater perspective in the life that I have left? And consider this. I don't want to be morbid, but consider this. When you die, when I die, unless Jesus comes back first, when we die, our death is going to give somebody perspective. The life that we live prior to our death is going to help somebody gain a greater level of perspective. Yeah. Number six. Creativity thrives in necessity. Creativity thrives in necessity. If 2020 taught me anything, it taught me that I needed to become more creative as it relates to how I engage with people. And really, I'm sure that was the case for everybody, and especially in, in church and ministry and, and in, in the restaurant industry. And I mean, all different type of, of industries had to pivot. They had to become creative in how they would engage in their goods and services because of the necessity of the time. COVID-19 just changed the landscape of really, I don't, I don't think there was any market, any, uh, any sphere of society that was not affected by this worldwide pandemic. And so everybody had to pivot. Everybody had to become creative. Everybody had to consider ways in order to get their, get their business out there, to engage in, in the resources that they share and, and, and how to do the things that they instinctively know how to do. So we got to embrace that, that reality, that creativity thrives in necessity. And so sometimes it's good that we are put into a position to where it's necessary that we pivot because in that moment we will be charged. We will thrive in a space of creativity. Some of us, our industries needed the pandemic. I know you're like, whatever dude no but seriously some of us really needed the pandemic to shake us out of our norms and get us to a new normal or get us to a place to where we don't just strive to be normal but we thrive to be uh exceptional and extraordinary some of us if we be honest some of us are better at what we do now than what we were in 2020 or at the beginning of 2020 or even in 2019 because 2020 put a, ne uh, a necessity around us to become creative and to do it different to do it further to do it better to do it deeper right and so creativity thrives in necessity number seven it's never too late to celebrate achievement it's never too late to celebrate achievements there were many celebrations that were postponed halted that were changed you know because of everything that was going on in 2020 but 
I, I need you to embrace this. It's never too late to celebrate. It may not be at the particular time when you scheduled it initially, but it's never too late to celebrate. If you achieve something, celebrate it. If somebody around you achieves something, celebrate them. It may not be in the way that you initially considered doing so, but you know, even leaning on the last lesson, get creative with that thing and figure out how to celebrate them. Celebration is necessary for life. It's necessary to take a moment and say, I'm proud of you. It's necessary to take a moment and say, congratulations. It's necessary to take a moment and say, we are happy for you. You know, the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who do rejoice, right? So we need to take moments, find moments, create opportunities to celebrate achievement. Number eight, and this is personal to me, very personal to me. Fatherhood is the greatest responsibility. I mean, even in, even in theology, as, as God uh, is, expresses himself to humanity as a father. Listen to me. Fatherhood is the greatest responsibility. Not not only are you a part of the creative process of your children, but you you are you are the one that has the greatest responsibility as it relates to identifying them, giving them identity, giving them character, shaping them, uh, giving them the nuance of their life. Fatherhood is the greatest responsibility. And so I want to encourage you fathers man. Bro, please take it serious. Take it serious. I know you you probably got a great, great woman who takes care of your children. Beautiful wife, beautiful mother. You know, uh, uh, you're co-parenting with a, a great woman prayerfully, you know. But, but whatever the condition is, make sure that you are doing everything you can to be a responsible father. I'm not talking about being indulgent and just giving your child everything they want, everything they ask for. I'm not I'm not talking about giving them an ideal, pristine childhood uh, at maybe at the expense of of your life. But what I am saying is that you got to make sure that you are sowing into your child the intangible things that they will need to become the person that God created them to become. You have an awesome responsibility, just like we look to the father, God your children look to you. And so just like you you believe God to do certain things for you, your children are believing you to do certain things for them. And so please never miss that fatherhood is the greatest responsibility. I don't care whatever comes on your plate, brother. You'll, if, if you are blessed to be a father, that's going to be your greatest responsibility ever in life. Number nine, love is the greatest gift. Love is the greatest gift. I have received some amazing gifts throughout my life. Uh, and, and ironically enough, 2020 was a year that I received some of the greatest gifts ever. My birthday is always kind of like a catch 22 because it's kind of like, I, you know, there are things that I expect or I want. And then, you know, I don't know if y'all have that, you know, where you kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I feel awkward about saying this is what I want. And, but then also I feel disappointed when I get stuff that I didn't ask for and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've experienced that down through the years. But I mean, this year for my or 2020, rather for my birthday, I mean, just about everything I considered in my head, everything that I said I wanted. I actually got it was it was a craziest thing. I'm some some amazing gifts. I mean, just I mean, my family, loved ones. I mean, they were extravagant toward me. And I, I 
I, I was just overwhelmed. But the greatest gift that I have ever received is the gift of love. And I say gift intentionally. Don't make people earn your love. Don't make people work hard to gain your love. Love is a gift. God gave love to us and we need to give love to other people. Now, relationship is a different story. We're not talking about relationship right now. Relationship, that is something that should be earned. That should be merit-based. Absolutely. But we'll talk about that on another podcast. I am convinced that the greatest gift we can give people is the gift of love. And love should never be merit-based. Love should never have to be earned. Because if it has to be earned, it's not really love. 2020 taught me that the greatest gift you could ever give somebody is love. The greatest gift you could ever receive from somebody is love. Make sure, make sure you are engaging in genuine love. The Bible uh, has, more so the Greek language that is used in the Bible, has several expressions of love. You know, in in the English language. There's just the one word love. But in the in the Greek expression, there are several different contexts of love. And I would encourage you to uh, to study those. But one I just want to lift up is agape. It talks about unconditional love, love without merit, love without bond, love that has decided to love and will not change its mind. Love is the greatest gift. Here's the last lesson I learned. Time is a gift to the prudent and a curse to the procrastinator. Time is a gift to the prudent and a curse to the procrastinator. Hear me, family. If you have time and and you want to be prudent with it, great. You got a gift. Enjoy it. Use it to the best of your ability. But if you are a procrastinator like I've been a lot of my life, that thing will be a curse to you. You will think you have more time than you do. Let me tell you, you do not have as much time as you think you have. And if you're a procrastinator, you ought to think about it like this. I don't have any time at all. (laughs) So make sure that you are engaging in prudence in in this new year. Take this lesson because there are many things in, in 2020 that I decided, I determined in my heart that I wanted to do, but I felt like I had enough time to do it. And and the next thing I knew, it was December 31st. Seriously. So I, I, I don't want to live in that curse of procrastination any longer. I, I have a brand new year and I'm going to look at this year prudently so that I will use the gift of time that I have been given. And so I want to encourage you. If you've been like me and you procrastinated in the past, hey, listen, rebuke that stuff in you, get rid of that stuff in you, begin to engage in practices to to rid yourself of procrastination. Uh, we might need to do a whole new podcast about how to get over procrastination. But let me let, let me just give you this one pointer as we get ready to get out of here. And that is this. Do it now. That's the best pointer I can I can give you. If you have a if if a thought, an idea, an image, a, a, a concept comes to mind, do it now. Whatever now is, whenever now is, do it now. That's one way you can beat procrastination in your life. These are just some some lessons that 2020 taught me. 
I'd love to connect with you to hear uh, you tell me some of the lessons that you learned in 2020. Hit me up uh, on on Facebook, on uh, Twitter, on Instagram at James Ray Taylor. I would love to engage with you and we can kind of share lessons so that we can learn from one another. I'm believing God that 2021 is going to be a good year for us. Regardless of what happens, I believe the year can be good if we use it to do good. All right. So I pray God's grace on you as you go. And remember, whatever you get today, make sure you get perspective. Peace.